0: Welcome to Unpacking Ideas, the podcast where each episode I invite on a new guest to help me unpack some of the major ideas in an influential piece of writing. Today we're looking at Letters to a Young Poet by Rainer Maria Rilke. Rilke was an Austrian poet and novelist who is often classified as an existentialist and as a bit of a mystic. He lived during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And this particular piece consists of 10 letters, which were written between 1902 and 1908. Today, helping me unpack these letters was Josiah Reese. We had a wide-ranging conversation. We talked about just about everything under the sun, Rilke's thoughts on the creative process, gestation, creation, God, solitude, sadness, romantic relationships, gender, and the problems with advice. Uh, I got a lot out of this conversation. It helped to shed some light on these ideas in a way that I hadn't really looked at them before. Um, So I hope that's the case for you too. I hope you guys get a lot out of it. So here it is, my conversation with Josia on Letters to a Young Poet. Hello, Zach. Hello, Josia Thank you for the tea. <laughs> You're welcome. We we're saying this. This is very fitting as far as a beverage to discuss this piece.
1: Oh yes, the vibes are the vibes are on point.
0: We got the candlelight and the um, incense off burning. camera,
1: but <laughs> listeners, viewers do trust us. It it's, is it's uh, there. It's influencing it's our
0: total coffee hour. It is coffee it house is. hour.
1: My my brain is like just calming down. I'm settling in, ready to discuss. Yeah. Some
0: goddamn literature. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. So, this was my second time reading this. And I got to say, the first time I read it, I was not in the right mindset. I was just kind of like, kind of like skimming through it, looking for like tips on like how mm. to be a better writer, oh. which is totally like antithetical to the entire piece. So, I was super happy to read it and like read it the way it should be. And, was this you, – you read this a few times or – Just once. Just once, so, okay. So this
1: is my second time reading okay. as well. And I had a similar – I wasn't um, rushing through it, but I did ha- – I think I read a translation. I prefer this translation, first of all. So one yeah. of my one of my experiences reading this was the importance of, of translation and, and how much it can muck with the meaning. Um, and I really enjoyed it last time, which is why I wanted to talk about it this time. But I just think I got so much more and took – so much more care with each idea.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And I also just have a totally different view of the man himself now for reasons that I, I'll talk about later maybe or awesome. we'll talk about yeah. later. Yeah, but yeah. I was so excited to talk about it again. And yes, I also got so much more this time reading.
0: Heck so. yeah. And we're doing the um Her- Herter Norton. I think yeah. that's how you, that translation. Yeah. Um, I think
1: it's Mary Doe is the MD. Okay. But M- yeah, MD. Um, and she was a musician.
0: Oh, cool! Yeah, she was a no violinist. Idea. Oh, right on.
1: Which I thought was so cool that you know, like she. So she's coming at this as a translator, also as like a multi-hyphenate and also like mm. maybe looking at the creative concepts from a musical perspective. Yeah. But I was like so excited. To, that's cool. To find I had that.
0: I had no idea. I didn't yeah. really. Uh, I didn't really look into her bio at all.
1: Yeah. Um. That's so awesome. That's exciting.
0: Well, cool. So we're probably not going to give too too much like context for this piece but like just general outline this is called letters to a young poet mm-hmm. obviously and that's what it is it's um this young poet uh, I forget the gentleman's name
1: Franz Kapus Kapus, Kapus okay yeah.
0: he was writing to Rilke who was already an established poet that at, at that point and he had just I'm not sure if he had just finished military school or he was but but basically like around the age where he's starting to choose a career yep. and he's kind of wondering like a lot of young people do like what should i do like which career should i go in? should i be a poet or should i go, maybe go more the traditional route mm-hmm. and you know be a part of this like military base mm-hmm. and he's just kind of reaching out to rilke to kind of ask about his poetry he sends him some poems that just basically like, is it is it any good yeah like so cute just kind of wanting <laughs> yeah yeah um so that's kind of the context. And then that led to like a back and forth between them over the course of like five and a half years. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually have um, the young poets letters, but we just have Rilke's responses and we can kind of like guess what some of the things might be because he he mentions like, oh, thanks for sending me that poem or, you know, right. like we kind of find out a little bit about his life throughout. Yeah. Um yeah, and I know you kind of read some of the um, like, the commentary about what was happening in Rilke's life before. We can maybe touch on that a little bit because I, I honestly didn't get too much into that. But, sure. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the reasons that this read was so, like I just had a phenomenal experience this time and was so like connecting so many more dots was because I think the last time I was looking at the text only as, Like, sage wisdom from a wise elder. Yeah. And then meanwhile, I didn't really think about who this person was or at what point they were in their life. Hmm. And the translator's note in the very beginning was the first clue because – uh she actually says, his spirit may have been speaking out of its own need rather than from the security of ends achieved so that his words indeed reflect desire rather than fulfillment. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Mm. And I think she actually there quotes, it was a letter eight. It was at the end of letter eight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And we're already jumping. But um, no, it's great. But uh, the quote is, um, basically, the beginning of the quote was, do not... Uh, maybe we can pull it up, but but do not assume that basically I am all finished with my trials and tribs. He says, uh, his life has much difficulty in speaking about himself. His life has much difficulty in sadness. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find the words. Um, and so I found myself wondering this time. First of all, I've read the, the, um, the, what's the word? The synopsis, not the synopsis. The Uh, overview of his life during those years first because Mm. it because I was rereading the letters I thought it would be valuable to look at his life first and then go back informed with that and um, it colored the whole read for me knowing what his struggles were during those years Uh, yeah I'm wondering if he's speaking almost to himself or if he imagines that he's speaking to a younger version of himself Mm. or if he's speaking to his present self giving him the advice that he needs to hear
0: Yeah. Um, Well, that's that's a great point too, and that like, yeah, and let's we can start with that idea as well because I think it kind of like will trickle into everything else we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, because he's he's kind of saying there, like, the reason that I'm able to give you these comforting words is because I've experienced them or am currently experiencing them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love that that quote. And just one more time, it's, quote, do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you lives untroubled among the simple and quiet words that sometimes do you good. Mm-hmm. His life has much difficulty difficulty and sadness and remains far behind yours. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find those words. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's one of those things about advice as well. Like a lot of times our advice is just, our advice for other people is advice that we need to hear or mm. advice to ourselves, which I think is one of the things that makes advice tricky. So you kind of have to be like, yep. <laughs> all right, Is does that actually apply to me or are you just telling yourself that? Yeah. Um, which is maybe also why Rilke kind of shies away from advice throughout this.
1: Yes. In fact, that's how – there we go. That's how letter one starts. Is. Yeah. Please don't ask me or anyone else for, for advice, any opinion <laughs> yeah. ever. It's not valuable. But I'll try. But also, here's all this critique about your work.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I
1: mean, it's it's kind of like the the LOL part of it is he says. I can't possibly critique your work. It is far beyond me. <laughs> yeah. Art is a matter of the soul, and your art cannot be critiqued by any living person. That said, there's nothing really personal in your writing <laughs> and like it's very generic. yeah and uh,
0: that made me laugh as well.
1: Oh, it was fu- it's funny
0: because he yeah, he goes into so the context is that the the young poet is asking his feedback on on his poetry, right and he's saying like, Yeah, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not even going to begin, like, we can't even begin to talk about art because it's this ineffable thing that words cannot begin to capture. But yeah, it lacked substance and like, so he does offer some critique, but I think his main point there, which we can kind of get into as well, is you are a better judge of that than anybody else can ever be. Mm. And when it comes, so when it comes to judging your art and when it even comes to deciding whether or not to be a poet, because he's kind of asking him, should I, should I become a poet? And Rilke is saying like, look, this is not for me to tell you whether you should choose this path. You have to go into your soul and Mm. do some soul searching and find if, whether or not you are called or not, mm. and um, maybe we can read that passage too because sure. I think that's
1: it's it's one of the one of the
0: famous one of the lines ones to keep for sure. So he says, um, "quote This is in letter one." "quote Go into yourself, search for the reasons that bid you write, find out whether it is spreading out its roots in the deepest places of your heart." Acknowledge to yourself whether you would have to die if it were denied you to write. This above all, ask yourself in the stillest hour of your night, must I write? Delve into yourself for a deep answer. And if this should be affirmative, if you may meet this earnest question with a strong and simple I must, then build your life according to this necessity. Your life, even into its most indifferent and slightest hour, must be a sign of this urge and a testimony to it
1: gorgeous
0: yeah yeah so i mean that's pretty that's pretty hardcore
1: it's hardcore <laughs> it's, and 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 already like you know as creatives right i think we all have that moment where a mentor we seek mentorship or we seek like a creative mm. parent yeah and do kind of say yeah but should i be doing this i think everyone kind of has that moment where you mm. seek um external approval yeah and um it's it's wise advice and it's also kind of upsetting advice to get because what it says is like there is no answer you have to decide that right. for yourself and you may fail anyway mm-hmm. but the concept of you really shouldn't be doing this unless it would kill you not to yeah is i think something that gets said a lot but in, in a spiritual way, like to think about it spiritually rather than like, oh, it's just so hard that if only if you have to do it, should you do it. But thinking about it from a sense of purpose mm-hmm. of, is this actually a calling? Yeah. Um, and and do you feel, is the tiny voice in your head telling you it's a calling, um, not the external world? Right. And I, as a mentor in the external world, can't play that part for you of your consciousness. Consciousness. Mm.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you use the word and Rilke uses the word calling, which a calling suggests like it's almost like the. the it's not your decision whether or not you are called mm-hmm. to be an artist or really, I mean, we can expand this conversation to not just a calling to be an artist. I mean, he's talking particularly about the calling to be a poet, but yeah. I think this can apply to any calling, Absolutely. somebody being called to join the Peace Corps or whatever. Yeah. So. I think what he's saying is it's not up to you whether or not you are called to do this, but it is up to you like whether you kind of accept the call or or don't. Right. And, which kind of reminded me of kind of like the Joseph Campbell like the the hero's journey and the call to adventure. Mm. And there's like Frodo, who's mm. like that's just one example of somebody who received this call. And had the choice of like whether to take it on, and and Rilke calls it a burden. Like he's not, yeah, he's not at all saying like this is going to be easy or it's all just like oh, the life of an artist is all like glamour. Oh yeah, prepare
1: for pain. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a burden, (laughs) and
0: and if it is kind of your your calling, like prepare, like buckle up, bro. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not an easy answer, and at the same time it's he's so kind like you just get a sense that he's very aware of the weight his words have yeah um which is interesting too because i think he he wasn't yet at his total career high mm. that like his the the two works which poets like contemporary poets look to the most are the Duino Elegies and the Sonnets to Orpheus, and those were written started in 1912, and then he was in the army, which is not well suited to his <laughs> his disposition. <laughs> yeah. um And then he finished them toward the very end of his life. So I think it's it, you can definitely get the sense, even just from the the. The gentleness with which he's speaking to this young pupil, hmm. that he has a sense that, okay, this is some, there's some idol worship happening here. So I'm going to disabuse you of the notion that I'm going to be able to tell you everything about your work yeah. or help you totally. And I'm going to focus on giving you words that are um that are more spiritual or more helpful to your, to your soul. Which is um,
0: which is impressive too, because yeah. I think as people start becoming successful more and more people start come younger people or just people in general start coming to them asking for advice and it's hard to not kind of like you know uh what's the expression like you start to think you're great because everybody's affirming that Mm -hmm. so for him to be like step back because advice i I, i've noticed like when people come to me with advice it's very hard to do what rilke does which is to say like look, I could, I could offer you advice, but like, ultimately, you know, the answer more than me. And it's kind of a, the other thing I was thinking, it's kind of a, um, like in talk therapy, talk therapy is kind of based on that same premise, which is basically like you as the, the, the patient know the answer or have the answer somewhere within you and it's the job of the therapist to help you untangle that. Like a good ther- therapist is not like saying like, oh, this is what you should do with your life. Um, you know, yeah. if your therapist ever starts doing that, like get a new therapist. Right, right. So the the premise, yeah, and I think Rilke shares, they both share that premise in that like, you know the answer to that question more than anybody else. And I can kind of help guide you, you know, he and he does, he kind of tells him, how he might go about doing that soul searching, but yeah. ultimately it's not up to him. Yeah. Um yeah. So pretty, pretty uh, heavy way to to enter um these letters, but
1: it's it's absolutely yeah. heavy. I think um the ideas that he introduces most strongly in this letter are um like if we were to graph the letter, mm-hmm. it seems like it starts with I can't really help you totally. That's your job. Go inward. Um, you need to. You need to find out if this is necessary. And then I think the connecting point at the. It's such a like well written letter. And at the end of the letter, the line that really stood out to me was a work of art is good if it has sprung from necessity. Mm. So I think this idea of like if you're creating something in order to be a good artist, if you're creating something in order to please others, or if you're creating something. Um, sort of in your external uh externally focused state, it first of all, it's not going to come from you. So therefore yeah. it's not going to be unique. So therefore, who cares? Because everyone's yeah. you know, in a sense, everything's been done before. Um, the sense I got was that you know, your only true contribution to this planet that is unique is you. It's your voice. Yeah. So, you know. It isn't necessary if it is anything else than you. And so the only art that is truly, you know, packs a punch in that way is art that no one's ever seen before, and it has to be yours. Therefore it is necessary because it doesn't exist yet. Um, and so, you know, it's yeah, it's frustrating advice because it's not it doesn't give you any other course of action except to turn inward. Yeah, Which is, you know, it, what he ends up talking about through most of these letters is solitude is like being by yourself and seeing what comes out of that total and utter solitude. Uh, so it was a nice intro right. to the to the solitude would, <laughs> arc <laughs> over the
0: course. Oh, yeah. He would be a, a a frustrating professor to have if you were doing an MFA or something. Truly. Like, yeah. <laughs> all your papers would come at, back like, I can't offer you any <laughs> advice on this piece of writing. Just turn into yourself but I think it is I think it is, and yeah, the point you brought up about art is good if it springs from necessity. I mean, that's kind of I guess a way to answer that question too is like, if nobody was going to see this art, would you still be creating it? Mm, um, yeah, that can kind of be a way to answer that question too, which is maybe just a different way of asking it as as he does like if if you would die and and again i it maybe. Maybe he's talking about a literal death. Like if, if you have, you know, we could paint a picture where somebody is like holding a gun to their head and there's like, you either write or I'm going to shoot you, Uh. but it could just be him talking more in like, um, like a metaphorical death in terms of like, you would still be living, maybe working your more, um, you know, uh like desk job or whatever but you would be dead inside because you wouldn't be able to do this thing that you felt called to do
1: yeah a spiritual death yeah yeah Yeah. um i i think so i mean i think but you know also as a person who clearly uh struggled throughout his life with depression and like often didn't feel just well at heart like well spiritually um I think it almost equates to the same thing, perhaps, for him because, Mm. and again, like reading about his life was so important for me because, you know, then when he's talking about this deep, deep sadness and deep, deep loneliness, Mm. and also the advice around dealing, being an artist who's in a constricting environment. It it brought it home more to know that he had this deep sadness around his childhood, that he was in Mm. military school and got constantly bullied and felt just like, I'm not in the right place. I'm not in the right place. Yeah. And then continually throughout his life, you know, and I guess there is a letter that talks more about education. So perhaps we'll leave it. But um, this idea of like having missed something essential that came from the outside world. So the Mm. only place he could go was inward. Yeah. Because you know there was no place for that artist to emerge in the external it had to just exist in this kind of tender sensitive soul right trying to find his way so you know uh, how to connect that it it just it and and i think it's interesting that this uh young man has also come out of military school and ends up going to the military
0: um yeah they share that i think it might have might even have been the same one i wasn't quite it sh- is yeah yeah because they had like the same professor yeah so they kind of share that that bond too
1: yeah and he tell. oh and then he tells him please uh tell him i got a lot from him basically he's a lovely man but then in the in the when, when you hear tell of his life later he speaks so with <laughs> such you know uh he's really down on that school. So I I wonder if that's even true, if he's even, if he's sort of wrong footing us there because he says, gosh, the experience was so terrible that even the bright moments were lopped into it, just the terribleness of the experience. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I think, um,
0: he's able to have that empathy for him because yes. he's, he's been like, yo man, I've, I've been to that school. Like it's, it's a bummer. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,
1: yep, I've been there.
0: The other, um, the other I- idea in this first uh, letter that I know stuck out to me. He, he then, st- like we kind of joked about earlier, he does actually offer some advice after telling yeah. him that he can't. Yeah. Um, one of the- so he he tells him to to stay away from writing about love poems and just. I got the sense he's saying like stay away from the topics that are just very generic and have been done to death because like it's going to be really hard to to put your own stamp on that just because there's been so many masters throughout time who have already done that. So, you know, write about what is around you, write about your experiences, your memories. And then he says this quote, he says, "quote, if your life seems if you, excuse me, if yeah. your daily life seems poor, do not blame it, blame yourself. Tell yourself that you are not poet enough, enough to call for its riches." For to the Creator, there is no poverty and no poor indifferent different place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the metaphor about the prisoner too. Like even if you were, it comes right after. Mm. I didn't, I didn't quote it in my journal here, but even if even if you were locked up and the walls were shutting out everything on the outside, you would still have your childhood memories. To, and what yeah. a gift that is! Yeah, um, which I think is fascinating because he speaks about in his other letters so constantly about feeling sort of an entrapment in his surroundings, even though he Mm. moves around constantly. He's like, and then even (laughs) when he finds a place he kind of likes, he's like, Oh, but it's not my home. I have to like work to set it up. So he feels trapped by his surroundings is constantly moving around and sort of has a lack of, uh, of contentment. Mm. Um, so perhaps he's felt like a prisoner, but he literally felt like a prisoner in this school. Like, I'm trapped in a place that doesn't, you know, nurture my my heart. And I don't feel like I'm right here. And his childhood wasn't particularly happy. Like, he doesn't yeah. look on it with much fondness. So the fact that he says that, he it, it, he acknowledges even that, you know, even in that, even that painfulness of my childhood, um, there's a solitude there. There's somewhere mm. inside of that, like, a, it's a spaceship for me to go uh, away to my solitude um and fascinating too is like this language about being a prisoner um Mm. made me think about his poem that's in uh the movie awakenings do you remember it it's the panther no
0: i'm not familiar it's yeah
1: it's in that moment when um oh gosh what's the actor's name the character is spelling out on a ouija board um rilke the panther okay because he's trying to communicate and he can't communicate verbally and at this point sax doesn't even know if they can understand what he's saying to them and he's trying to communicate with them and sure enough he spells out rilke the panther and he reads it Mm. and it's it's um a poem about a panther like pacing inside Uh, a cage and and looking out on the world and feeling trapped and like so this experience of entrapment and I just, I think it's fascinating that this shows up even in the first letter because it's clearly something that Rilke like really deeply um, identifies with this feeling of being trapped or being a prisoner.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get into to solitude a lot because I mean, that theme comes up yeah. a ton. It's this thing.
1: One of, <laughs> it's yeah, kind of a big deal for him.
0: <laughs> it's a big deal for him. And he sees the way, the, the metaphor I kind of use to to understand i think he sees like when you are in solitude like the distance between you and everybody else like it expands and as it expands you expand Mm. as well yes and the metaphor i kind of thought was like the the whole thing about like the the um like a turtle will grow to the size of the tank that it's in. Oh. Yeah. So I got the sense that he's kind of saying that and like when when the when your surroundings expand, like you will grow as well. Mm. And that that when you are in solitude, you should really um you should be grateful for that and embrace it rather than turning away from it because like that's where some of your your biggest growth will come and, and you will kind of like evolve into like a larger person.
1: Yeah, the, the fully expressed version of yourself rather than the one that grew into the conditioned tank, right? Yeah. The tank yeah. that mom and dad gave you is not the tank that, you know, will evolve you to your highest self.
0: Right. Yeah, I love yeah. the turtle metaphor. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, my metaphor, not his. Uh, yeah. yeah, so take it or leave it. But um, That's awesome. And the other thing I thought about with the this quote, of like if you're if your surroundings seem poor, like blame yourself, not the surroundings. Right. It made me think of like when people say like if you're bored in conversation, it means you're boring. It doesn't mean like other people are boring. Right. So I think he's saying that like a truly creative person is somebody who is able to kind of find the beauty or the uniqueness in any situation.
1: Even if it's only within yourself. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah even if even if um and I think that's true of of a lot of like artists or just great minds in general is that like you know i can I can read David Foster Wallace like write about tax code and it's like enthralling so just well because written. he he's able to see all of these things meanwhile, you know somebody else maybe lacking that unique view on the world writing about, like, something that's maybe, like, more, like, objectively interesting. Like, mm. I don't know, rock climbing or something. Like, and it's boring you might be as hell. Boring. Yeah. yeah. You're, like, yeah. falling asleep. So, um, so totally. yeah. Totally. He's, it's a bit of, like, tough love. Like, you know, if if the environment seems boring, like, you're boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. and especially coming from someone who um, consciously seeks... So much solitude, so much space from his surroundings where even in these like beautiful cities he's in, he's just like, this is not right. I don't feel right. You know, Mm. it's like because I feel like I can't get away from everything. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said about like that level of really, truly applying that concept in every area of your life because he had like a wife and kid that he never saw because he was just like, bye. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go. I mean, I think the kid lived with maybe his wife's parents, Clara. Uh, but it's, you know, I don't know how, how applicable to its extreme that advice really is, um, if yeah. you have a responsibility to other people, but you know, spiritually I, I can really get down with that sense of like, you have to know yourself, you have to, um, to trust that what you have to say, even if nothing else is happening, Yeah, your internal dialogue or your, um your soul is, is in communication Mm. with some divine, um, presence, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think he kind of alludes to it. I don't think in this letter, but in another one that it's something that you kind of cultivate, like the more that you kind of go into yourself and I guess like learn to trust your intuition, like it's kind of a a skill that you can get better at Mm -hmm. and that you won't always like, you're not always going to make the right decisions, Mm -hmm. but by kind of cultivating that skill like yeah like you get you get better at it and kind of learn to trust yourself more Mm -hmm. um the other i I guess the other thing one thing i we kind of left out in the first letter is he says like if you go into yourself and you ask this question should i be a poet and the answer is no he's just like that's perfectly fine yeah so um like don't beat yourself up about it if anything it's just like all right well you you don't have to carry this burden. Maybe your your cross to bear is something else. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so one of the one of the ideas that he spends a lot of time talking about is he calls it like gestation, like the gestation of. So, like in the artistic process, a lot of times the creative process requires a lot of patience because. You know, either maybe the artist is has some kind of like writer's block, and maybe their subconscious is trying to like figure out some kind of problem. And I, I like that word of thinking about it as a kind of like gestation. Like there's a there's a baby in a sense that's being that's being um, created, mm-hmm. and then there's kind of like a birthing. So he t- a lot of the advice that he gives to the young poet is about patience and just like, you have to have patience because these things take time. Yeah. And this is actually, um, I think it's the letter three. Yeah. Letter three.
1: Oh, that letter. He, he's, he like really snapped on letter three and four. (laughs) I was just over here.
0: He goes, uh, this is the, this is, um, bottom of page 23. He says, quote, everything is gestation and then bringing forth to let Each impression in each germ of a feeling come to completion wholly in itself, in the dark, in the inexpressible, the unconscious, beyond the reach of one's own intelligence, and await with deep humility and patience the birth hour of a new clarity. That alone is living the artist's life, in understanding as in creating. I
1: wrote in big letters. Time is a lie. Take your time. (laughs) Yeah. That's my note. I love that we wrote down all the same quotes. That's really fun.
0: Yeah. Well, that that one, man, I think even to get a little like meta, I I think even reading a piece like this, like we can have certain insights about the piece, you know, like while we're reading it, Mm -hmm. but sometimes. It is kind of like a time bomb that like I know I'll read a piece and then like a month or two later, it'll just kind of like explode in my mind like, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. Um, And
1: sometimes it's the external world like sending you an experience like sometimes. okay, it took mm. it took that experience for me to understand. It took that love for me to experience this thing about love or it took. Yeah, yeah, it took that person saying that thing for me to, to hold the idea under a different light or for me to notice the prismatic quality of Mm. this thing. Yeah. Um, Which speaking of time, can we read the one on page 24? Can I read it? Yeah, yeah. This is my favorite. And this is actually one of the, uh, this quote came back to me. I think it was just shared on the internet, which is part of what brought this book back into my...
0: um, On your radar? Yeah, put it
1: back front of mind, which is part of the reason why I wanted to do it. Yeah. But the quote is on page 24 of this translation. There is here no measuring with time, no year matters, and ten years are nothing. Being an artist means not reckoning and counting, but ripening like the tree which does not force its sap and stands confident in the storms of spring without the fear that after them may come no summer." It does come, but it comes only to the patient who are there as though eternity lay before them so unconcernedly still and wide. I learn it daily. I learn it with pain to which I am grateful. Patience is everything. Yeah. Which is gorgeous. And I was also thinking about how it's, it's a pretty anti-capitalist concept mm. of time shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter in creating a work of art if you're thinking about it that way, it becomes a product, which is not art. Um, This idea of like, if you can't put a time on something until it it will be completed, it's not a product at all. It's only Mm. your experience of it. Um, And also what felt sort of anti-capitalist to me and what felt really radical as an idea was that this is something beyond intelligence. Mm. That you can't intelligence, like, you can't thinking mind your way yeah. into completing your artistry. It really is something beyond it. You can't learn it. It's it's in your subconscious, which, which is drawing its own conclusions, which are beyond you at this moment, um, that this is the realm in which the artist works, which has nothing at all to do with a time-bound
0: world. Totally. Well, and, like, I think this also ties into his thoughts about god because Mm -hmm. and it's not just real i I know a lot of writers think of like this inspiration they get where it's like they've been working on a problem working on a problem maybe put it aside and then you know they're walking in the park and then it comes to them like we can kind of look at it like reductive and be like oh well that's your subconscious mind you know that's the default mode network like you know working that shit out but a lot of the way Creatives think about it as like, that is God giving you a gift. Mm. Like this, that is, that's the creator. That's the creative. And that process of like, you know, when Paul McCartney dreams and yesterday that song comes to him in a dream, like that is a gift from the divine. Right. And I think he ties in this process of like gestation when he's talking about, god yeah and that like in the same way that like in the creative process we have this like gestation period followed by you know the blossoming like he thinks about god in the same way throughout a person's life and that like at at the beginning of somebody's life we you know might not have god but like he we're kind of I think the metaphor he uses is that God is like a piece of fruit, like growing mm-hmm. on a tree, mm-hmm. and that it like will like blossom. Yep. So again, like, yeah, it's hard to tell if he's you know talking about the like pointy beard, you know, God in the the you know Judeo Christian religions, or he's maybe talking about it more in an, an abstract way. I, I think yeah. so.
1: I think so. Um, I do. Yeah, that's also a really beautifully developed. Image that he uses the final fruit of a tr- of a tree whose leaves we are. <laughs> That's how, yeah, yeah, his definition of God was the final fruit of a tree whose leaves we are, right. which which has this very this spiritual concept of we kind of all are the divine. We are we all are God, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, but that idea went in so many directions because it wasn't just that. Um, he starts with basically God is everywhere in childhood and don't think that you've lost god because did you ever actually have god and yeah. can you ever have god because isn't isn't god somewhere in the future isn't god constantly creating like in order okay so in order to create everything wouldn't he have to be the last thing wouldn't wouldn't everything in order for him to contain or him we're using him but wouldn't yeah. if god were to con- contain everything wouldn't everything else including you have to come before it and right. if if like the design if the divine design is uh, start small and
0: explodes outward, you know. Can I I just say that quote? Do it, do it, please. He says, quote, if he is the most perfect, must not the lesser be before him so that he can choose himself out of a fullness and overflow. Right. Uh, And the idea you said about like, you know, people talk about like I lost God. He kind of thinks this is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> he says He says, "quote Do you believe that anyone who really has Him could lose Him like a stone?" Yeah. Um. So, I think he his thought is like a a child cannot hold God, mm-hmm. and that like it is the idea of losing God is is a little absurd to him, right? And that it's more likely that like God is coming in some way or blossoming yeah. to use his his metaphor. Yeah. Um in the same way like again we talked about gestation like he he even uses that word in mm-hmm. relation to this idea.
1: Yeah. I yeah and then and then again that concept of of creation and like and well he he goes into procreation cuz it's well it's very touching because I probably this Boy, like, had questions about sex because I, lo- I love what he chooses to talk about. So, like, I, I, yeah. from what he chooses to talk about, I'm, I'm making, I have my own hypotheses about what the letter to him was. And, like, this is a young guy. So, I'm sure he was like, Oh, you know, he's probably talking about some girl, or yeah. like, I don't understand this world. And you know instead of being like giving him dating advice, real'cause like well, you know it's all very <laughs> spiritual if you see, and yeah. so don't worry about it too much because it's all beyond you um so I love that you know
0: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a lot for a twenty two year old lot. to to take on when when asking about like. What should I do about this girl that I like?
1: Well, and again, like I, I don't know what the letter was. Maybe it yeah, maybe itself right. had sort of existential qualities. Probably probably it did, but I just it's it's yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot. And I wonder how much he grasped at the time and then later on mm. was like, oh, this is really good stuff. <laughs> but um Yeah, what I'm what I was thinking about here, especially because he used the tree metaphor, we are the leaves, um, and this you know, process of becoming that is involves like fruit or, you know, a blossoming of of flowers. I I wasn't sure where I had heard this quote and so I Googled it and I realized that like everyone appropriates this quote and it's been oh, said okay. a thousand yeah. times. It's a spiritual concept of like that basically the acorn contains the oak tree. Mm, yeah. And actually it contains the entire forest. And actually you said you did an Emerson podcast, right? Yeah. So I think this is him the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. Mm. Um And so like to look at this small seed, you would never think that that was the design. That was the divine design inside this little thing. Um, But he said that and then, but I was laughing because apparently no one's really said it. And also everyone said it. Uh, It says, uh, where's another one? Wayne Dyer, an infinity of forest lies dormant within the dreams of one acorn. Um, Alan wants. It takes time for an acorn to turn into an oak, but the oak is already implied in the acorn. Um,
0: yeah, I, they're all kind of circling around the same. It's that idea. Same idea.
1: Yeah, but but uh, I'm sure also everyone's stolen from him because when we were reading this mm. and he was talking about love, I heard a lot of Fromm's ideas in it. Yeah. Uh, anyway,
0: but yeah. Well, the other the other thing I was going to maybe mention on that because we're talking about this idea of like gestation um is that like the gestation part itself can be really like frustrating and kind of anxiety producing Mm -hmm. and he speaks to that a lot you know not by just saying to be patient but in four in letter four uh he says quote you are so young and I want to beg you as much as I can, dear sir, to be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Um, and like... The- this this idea really resonated to me because mm-hmm. like you know he's he's speaking to this young man who has like a lot of unknowns in his life like what is my career going to be you know maybe like who am i going to marry like what are, you know what is like i want the answers now and Rilke's saying like you can't possibly know the answers to these questions and they take time um but he says live the questions now mm mm-hmm. And the idea there, I think, is, like, we can spend all of this time, like, thinking about and worrying about the future. And then by the time we get to the future, we're like, oh, shit. Like, I spent my whole life thinking about this and, like, worrying about this. My life happened anyway. Yeah, my life, my life played out anyways. So he's just like, look, this is a natural process that we all have to go through. And I know I could speak personally, like I'm kind of in a bit of a career change in my life Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of unknowns Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of kind of like wanting to know where this path is going. Um, So this really resonated with me, like the whole idea of just like live the questions now, like even though it's a very maybe like anxiety producing time because there's a lot of unknowns, it's also a very like exciting time and um, and yeah, you know, you, like you might look back and just be like, "Oh, you wasted this like great years of your life, like worrying about these things instead of living them." Mm. Um, it's yeah,
1: it's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that too. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, the the way you feel connected to it. I I definitely also can tend to worry about the future and how how my actions today are influencing like this, mm. some, maybe this great future that I've dreamed about and yeah it's 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 comforting to think that in some ways your highest self is it's like the only thing you can become. of course, we know that people like let go of their dreams or they don't listen to their to their selves. they don't get quiet with themselves mm. enough to live that out but yeah i I love the permission he gives the young poet to to live into the answers like the only way you can find the answer is by living it that's the only option yeah. because if you're worrying about it you actually aren't living at all um but it's it's nice to think that time time itself will unfold to you a lot of a lot of your of your answers but that maybe you can't do it yourself at all that it's not really it's not really yeah. your place which which that
0: idea i think is different than like I don't know a lot of people like maybe somebody like Napoleon Hill um, or like this guy Maxwell Mark Maxwell what's his name I, I forget the, the other he wrote psycho cybernetics but their mm. idea is that like I've been wanting to read you that you have to have like you have to know exactly where you're going and like mm. how do you expect to get that to get to a place if you're not focused on the destination mm-hmm. and they kind of use that metaphor of like you know, if you're headed somewhere and you don't know where you're headed, like, how are you ever going to get there? Yeah. I think Rilke would, like, poo-poo that idea because he I, he kind of thinks, like, the idea of thinking that we ultimately know the answers to a lot of these big questions, like, at all parts of our life is, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Just because, like, things change. And like he says, you, you can never – you can't even pretend to know some of these answers. Yeah. So I think that's maybe, like, a, a good contrast – in in terms of like yeah the those ideas i think are kind of at ends or at odds with each other
1: i think so too like they're it's like trying to reach i, I they're trying to get at the same thing it seems like to have hmm. peace with yourself um how your daily living can can be at peace with your dreams of the future and yeah someone who's speaking about Either spiritually manifestation and actually saying those things out loud, like you already have them, or in the more psychological sense, what is your programming, and how can you reprogram yourself? Because we are all conditioned in a certain way from childhood, right? What do I have to rewrite in order to live into that future that I would like to see? Um, But it it does. There does it seems there's a wisdom in so much is outside of your control Mm. and also you don't know what detours are bringing to you your greatest blessings that you just would not be able to foresee no matter how much you say like, this is what I want, you know, having, having a trust that the detours are also bringing you to be the, the artist or just the human being that you're, Mm. you're supposed to become um, that like, we can't really read our own blueprint. We're not that smart.
0: Like, right. Right. Like the acorn is
1: not like I wonder. It just becomes the tree.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. I think that's probably what Rilke would say. Is yeah. like this. It's an unfolding that happens. That word. It's yeah. such a great a verb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So this is letter seven. He uh. One of these that stood out to me kind of towards the beginning. He says it is good to be solitary. For solitude is difficult. Mm. That something is difficult must be a reason the more for us to do it. And <laughs> you wrote down the same. Um. Yeah, I'm curious. What did What did you? How did that? Uh, like, how did you kind of interpret that?
1: Well, first of all, I was laughing because I think the the number of books we read to get to this book, we're yeah. going to end up talking about all of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I was laughing because yeah, this idea of having to learn love. Um that it's worth it because it's difficult, like the fact that it's difficult tells us that it is
0: oh and well that's that's the next I don't think I read it he oh, says yeah. uh to love is good to love being difficult, there you go, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: um yeah, and he connects that to to nature as well, I think nature is only itself, it defends itself without thinking about it, it must be itself, um, that's my thoughts on it, that's not exactly what he said, but um, I think, yeah. He definitely, and again, I wonder how this connects to his own relationships, but uh, he's saying that it's another one of those unknowables that you can't know it when you're young. You can't know it except by doing it, but also people do it um, in an unlearned way all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, Fall into these, like, fall head over heels into these relationships. And yeah, he has definite problem with that right yeah. and, and
1: into conventions that are set up for them already by society he, he speaks about um but i think his thesis on that seems to be uh seems to be again solitude is that mm. how can you possibly have a union like what is a union if both people are incomplete that isn't a union at all like to, basically two halves becoming one whole, but you've forgotten that there are two people here. So if you, if each person hasn't found their own solitude, AKA um, they um, so ripen become something in itself to become, Oh, I love this um, to become world for himself for another's sake. Hmm. So the idea that you yourself contain a world to become world, like you have to make yourself whole and at home in yourself, that's that's the meaning for, of working at themselves yeah. for Rilke. And, like, what a concept to, to become world. Like, not only should you work on yourself before you try to love somebody, but you should become a world for yourself before you yeah. love somebody.
0: Well, and I think he sees those things as being, like, almost one in the same. Yeah. And that, that like, when we spend time, the more kind of what I was going back to like my um turtle in a cage metaphor. <laughs> the more the more <laughs> the famous turtle in yeah. the cage metaphor. <laughs> the the more that we spend in solitude, the the kind of bigger our surroundings become and then the more that we grow into like full actualized humans. Right. Which I think the the way I interpret it is he's saying like if when we're young we just jump into this relationship right away and kind of have this kind of like He doesn't use this word, but kind of like codependency with another person. Um, We're not actually two like actualized human beings who are, you know, able to share their own space that then choose to come together. We're kind of just this like orb that is like, you know, huddled together for warmth or clinging together for warmth. Um, So that, yeah, if we take the time to kind of, you know, Mm grow in solitude then when we do meet somebody like then we can truly love them Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely it's a pretty radical idea um and and like a spiritual existential concept but also you know that that has so much like that's that Sound that uh, smacks of like pop psychology today of of you know you really have to love yourself before you love someone else, yeah, you know but but putting it in in the context of uh, like if you're the artist and your life and your soul is your art, like mm. w- what are what do you really have to work on here or or you know if if you could ever uh, lose yourself then you've already lost the game like if 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 you feel like you've broken something when someone leaves you've already lost the game because Mm. you know maybe part of yourself was wrapped up in this other person's identity because you haven't worked on yourself enough um it's i don't know that it's practical advice because how often are people like truly taking this much time before they get into any relationship and and don't you like not know there's an issue until you sort of have an experience with love that does shatter you and you're like god i don't even know who i am anymore without this person <laughs> um, but right. it's it's it seems there's a wisdom that has that has aged well right
0: yeah he said, can i read a few of these do so it, I can yeah, capture that do it. he says uh, young people err so often and so grievously in this that they uh, fling themselves at each other when love takes possession of them and then he says thus each loses himself for the sake of the other and loses the other and many others that wanted still to come right yeah and this is jumping a little bit but at the end I think the way he kind of ties up this idea um, he's talking about this new form of loving. And I think he's speaking about it in the context of like a romantic relationship where you have like the kind of fully actualized man and the fully actualized woman. Like there's kind of the terms he's using to describe this uh, coming together. And he says, let's see, he says, in this more human love, Will resemble that which we are preparing with struggle and toil. Mm-hmm. The love that consists in this, mm-hmm. that two solitudes protect and border and salute each other. Yeah. And this last, the last sentence is that two solitudes. So meaning two people who are both kind of like mm-hmm. actualized in their own solitudinous come together. And yeah, he says protect, border, and salute. Mm. And
1: boundaryed, very boundary.
0: Yeah, it's very boundaryed, yeah. and it's also salute. Mm-hmm. Salute kind of made me think of you know, like you know in the army when mm-hmm. you're saluting somebody, it's a sign of mutual respect. Yeah, and it got me thinking. I think kind of the idea here is similar to like namaste in Hinduism, mm, yeah. where it's like the God in me. What does namaste mean? The God in me uh, recognizes the God bows in you. To the bows the, to the yeah. Bows yeah. to the God exactly. in you. Exactly,
1: recognizes, bows, salutes, yep.
0: And he, I mean, he doesn't use namaste or Hinduism, but I think he's kind of getting at the same thing.
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: It's a kind of like reverence for the other person as an individual.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I also wrote that down too, and I found it very striking. Um And there's a lovely sort of riffing on the idea here of what it would actually mean to be for two partners to be equals, Mm. which I think is pretty forward thinking for his time. Um, And, you know, I think he's, he's like riffing on some ideas about gender, like, Hey, this is weird that like, you know, it feels like there's something off about like women trying to gain the, trying to, this feels like a radical idea, like feeling like they have to do what a man does well in this society in order to be a person of value. That like we value in this patriarchal sense, pa- excuse me, patriarchal sense, um, what the patriarchy has set up. This is not his words, but my understanding of it. Uh what has been set up as like the top the top of the of the food chain, as it will. Like a top of this hierarchy is like what a man can achieve. That like almost um, I mean, he, he has a lot in here about like, okay, women are different, and so I'm less drawn to that, but I'm drawn to this idea that he thinks that there's there's no um, there's nothing to be gained in for fighting for women to just be like men, right, because that's right. not working anyway, um, yeah. and that you know. It's not that these are polar opposites that have to occupy specific places. It's that these are in a relationship or I guess in a relationship between two people. These are two separate people who Hmm. each have their own world. Yeah. Um,
0: Could I read that? The quote that captures that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is page 44. He says, quote, the girl and the women in their new, their unfolding Will but in passing be imitators of masculine ways, good and bad, and repeaters of masculine professions? After the uncertainty of such transitions, it will become apparent that women were only going through the profusion and the vicissitudes of those often ridiculous disguises in order to cleanse their own most characteristic nature of the distorting influences of other sex. Um, and then he says, women in whom life lingers and dwells more immediately, more fruitfully and more confidently must surely have been fundamentally riper people, uh, more human people than easygoing man who has not pulled down the surface uh, of life by the weight of any fruit of his body and who presumptuous and hasty undervalues what he thinks he loves.
1: Yeah. So there's um, a lot there. There's yeah. there, there's a real gravity to, to what he's saying about like, um, there's like a gravity to... Okay, you can you can literally bear fruit. Um, So there must be something you understand about like creation or creating that, like maybe naturally men don't, or they they have to come to otherwise. But I think it's I think he's equating these ideas of again. uh, well, relationship and love, but also gestation, mm. and I think what he's saying is, or or almost what I want him to be saying, because I think again, <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm like, wow, you were really thinking about some some very evolved stuff in this yeah. time. Um, and who knows how he occupied these ideas in his own life, in his own relationships. But what is here, it feels like he's saying that um, men, or maybe artists in particular, have something to learn about that quality of gestation, that like gravity of having within you life, mm. um, that they're not too dissimilar because there's also language and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find the exact quote. Maybe you have it right there, but he does say like that a man can mother too. That's that's in there somewhere. He okay. says that there he equates like mothering. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking like about. Like a man can mm-hmm. mother. Um, there's like a, a breaking of, the binary there basically saying you know there's that there's something about that there's something of the feminine to be learned by the masculine masculine or there's something um that he's terming a feminine mother-like quality in the act of creation but that we all have the capacity for that um so i was just enjoying that tension
0: I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to
1: find it immediately, but um, I think it, it is in this chapter, I believe, around page 45, I think.
0: Yeah, I know where you're talking. I'm not sure exactly where it is either. Yeah. Um. One other idea on that point, this mm. was actually earlier. This was actually in letter four. Yeah. Uh, he says, quote, Perhaps the sexes are more related than we think, and that the great renewal of the world were, will perhaps consist in this. That man and maid, freed of all false feelings and reluctances, will seek each other, not as opposites, but as brother and sister, as neighbors, and will come together as human beings in order simply, seriously, and patiently to bear in common the difficult sex that has been laid upon them. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: That's really lovely. I wonder if that was kind of a wink at the initial question in the letter of like like what difficult problem of sex was this young man really asking for mm. help with? And then yeah. like, well, you want to talk about how sex is difficult. <laughs> Let's really <laughs> yeah. get into it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know about you. I mean, maybe it's just cause I read this recently, but it kind of reminded me of a little bit of like Martin Luther King's idea. And I have a dream speech. He's, he's kind of, he's saying what he says that they will seek each other, not as opposites, but as brothers and sisters. I mean, this is like, almost Martin Luther King language when he's talking about like, you know, Martin Luther King's talking about in terms of race that mm. like little black boys and little black girls will link hands with little white girls and little, what what I, <laughs> I messed it up. Sorry. Sorry, Martin Luther King. I'm butchering the, the quote, but no, totally. He's, this idea of but he's saying like, yeah. well, he's saying like to see each other, not as, um, not as like a different gender, but as, as humans. like, I, I, th- I think, that's what, R- what Rilke is saying, to see each other not as opposites, but as brothers, as sisters, uh, and to come together as human beings.
1: Yeah, I think so. And also, I think, like, within that, yes, we're all human beings, um, no matter what gender we happen to be. But um, but within that idea, and also, we are all tremendously different because mm-hmm. we are all alone. Like, that's, you know, we can only ever be alone with ourselves. So you can never truly know someone else, but honoring within that they're on a they're on a journey as complex as yours Mm. and um you know embodying a humanity and an identity that is as complex and as lonely has as much solitude as your own um yeah 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 there's a lot of like and also it feels like just the way it's written he is kind of riffing he is trying to figure it out for himself or uh you know like a a lot of these ideas are very lofty and um you know, again, I don't know how he as the human being was operating within his personal relationships, but, uh, there's, there's a lot that's really lovely and hopeful in here. Yeah. Um,
0: I know he kind of comes under attack a little bit in that regard. Cause I guess he, he kind of did jump from woman to woman in his personal relationships, which, um, I guess, you know, certain people have issue with like, maybe he, w- thought of things one way and live them but i mean i know it's a tough one how do you separate the the
1: artist from the person yeah Yeah. sure or should you but yeah what do you think
0: one thing i was going to bring up just to kind of like uh rain on rilke's parade a little bit so i wanted to so he's talking very much about this like this idea of like the solitudes coming together yeah um and it made me think of, I, I read this book, Attached, which is like pretty popular these days. It's about like um, different attachment styles mm. in mm-hmm. adult relationships. And there's this idea at the beginning of the book called the codependency myth. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to read this real quick. So uh, the, the author says, the codependency movement and other currently popular self-help approaches portray relationships in a way that is remarkably similar to the views held in the first half of the 20th century about the child parent bond and what they're referring to there is in the first half of the 20th century there was an idea that like if you um like hold your baby too much when it's crying that it will like not be able to be self-sufficient mm, and will like rely and let it cry yeah that yeah. ba- basically like let the baby cry and Basically that myth has kind of been busted they you know, like realize mm-hmm. there's not really any science supporting that and that if you don't hold your baby you might you're mess it up, mess up the baby. yeah so that's what they're saying so they're, <laughs> they're saying related to that idea is this kind of idea um, she says today's experts offer advice that goes something like this your happiness is something that should come from within and should not be dependent on your lover or your mate. your well-being is not their responsibility and theirs is not yours. Each person needs to look after himself or herself. The base, basic premise underlying this point of view is that the ideal relationship is one between two self-sufficient people who, who unite in a mature, respectful way while maintaining clear boundaries, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what Rilke is advocating. Totally. And they're kind of saying the opposite. They say um, our need for someone to share our lives with is part of our genetic makeup and has nothing to do with how much we love ourselves or how fulfilled we we feel on our own. Mm. Um, so that kind of struck me that they're kind of saying like your need for other people is not like a sign of your inadequacy as a person like that. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I kind of want to throw yeah. that in the mix because I think, I think it does go against what Rilke is advocating a little bit.
1: I mean, I think that yes, interdependency like differentiating between what codependency and interdependency are is very important like to what degree is some is some uh are the patterns you live through and with and learn are they harming you like to what degree are they uh impeding you from living a full and happy life and to what degree are they actually necessary functions of that life like where yes i totally feel uh that, or I also believe based on what I've come into contact with in literature or self-help or, mm-hmm. you know, my own journey that you would know, like truly no man is an island. We all, new man or woman or person is an island. We all need, um, we all need other people. We all need, yeah. we all need community. There's been studies linked to, um, you know, increased, like health and longer life for people who live in a community where, yeah. where there's an actual community where they see other people that are not their husband or wife or person or spouse every day. Like every day I walk down and I, have, I play chess or I have an espresso with somebody. And I think this is in a study on centagenarians and the people who live oh, okay. the longest. And yeah. I, I think it's called a blue, you've probably, you yeah, yeah. It? is it called a blue blue, zones. blue zones? Right. Yeah. And they, and they were trying to figure out what the similarities were between these, um, these people who all lived so long and and a lot of times it like wasn't that they were married or had a spouse. It wasn't the biggest similarity wasn't diet. It was, well, I think there were certain things like you drink a little bit, you have a little Mm -hmm. coffee, but like one of the biggest things that connected all of them was that they had people around them. They weren't alone. Yeah. Yeah. Strong sense of community. And, and like, I think the different, the differentiating between the community or support and love one finds with a partner, with one other person or, you know, Mm. in this model. Yeah. One spouse versus like what it means to actually be loved and loving in and by a community. And so, you know, clearly there's something uh, that's scientifically proven that, you know, we need uh, we need each other. Yeah. And so I wonder. You know, Rilke didn't have it all figured out. He was uh, deeply sad (laughs) for a lot of his life, (laughs) like he struggled deeply. And so he's writing into and about some of these things. And I wonder if there's a way to understand solitude less in a sense of, I must remove myself from all my surroundings because he does this. I don't know that it Mm -hmm. works so well for him, but he did that in his life. Um, But what would it mean to truly find, find yourself and root deeply within yourself and understand deeply what you need and have a sense of yourself that couldn't be disrupted, not that you'd remove yourself from your surroundings, but that you'd be able to have a boundary sense of who you are, yeah. Even if you're not removing yourself from those perhaps codependent dynamics or codependent surroundings, mm. um,
0: yeah. It seems it seems like a bit of a, a tightrope to walk. Because For sure, there was um, maybe to jump a little bit. Yeah, there was. Uh, he talks about sadness and has some mm, interesting letter eight. Letter eight. Yeah. So this is letter eight. Uh, It was very sad. Says, Yeah, he says, quote, the sadness too passes. Uh, So in some of the context, I I guess the young poet was sad about something. So he's Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. weighing in on sadness. So he says, quote, the sadness too passes. The new thing in us, the added thing, has entered into our heart, has gone into its innermost chamber, and is not even there anymore. It is already in our blood, and we do not learn what it was we would easily be made to believe that nothing has happened and yet we have changed as a house changes into which a guest has entered. Mm. So this is, I thought this was a really interesting idea because he's kind of saying like when you are really sad, that is a signal that a change is taking place Mm -hmm. within you. Mm -hmm. And he says somewhere, just to paraphrase it a little bit, he's saying like if you if you were in the moment able to know like how this was going to change you, you would actually be like grateful for the sadness. Mm. Um, but I like that. That's an interesting metaphor of kind of thinking of this new thing as like, he says like a house guest, like entering like your being. It's
1: like the roomy poem. Yeah. Mm.
0: I'm not, nav- which, which poem? It's I'm called, nav- yeah.
1: um, I think it is actually called the house guest
0: okay, okay. Quickly... yeah,
1: um, oh the guest house mm. um, yeah, so i don't i I don't for reasons we talked about before, I don't really love this um translator because he does a creative poetic interpretation instead of actually translating from the language, okay, but the idea that like each like, this okay, so this translator that I don't love is Coleman barks, he doesn't speak Persian. <laughs> but he's a joy, a depression, a meanness, basically talking about grief and like entertain them, welcome them um, because they're, they're a guide. They're like, a, a, they're a means of transformation for you. Mm. That basically like this, your body is, is a, is a house. And, and a lot of different experiences and emotions are going to come through it. Um, and uh, yeah, I like here that he doesn't differentiate ever between different types of grief or sadness yeah, he just says sadness. So he, we could be talking about, and and I was kind of had my own hypothesis about. Okay, did someone pass, or di- is he going through a breakup? But it's never said, so it really is like, okay, sadness, like grief, is just this huge thing that you're going to have to enter mm. with some trust that at some point it's going to end, and with some trust that it can be a great tool for transformation for you. Um, but I love that, like, they're really we don't know what exactly he was speaking about. Well,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I was thinking the same thing because I. Th- I think like in terms of something like uh, like high school graduation or, or something, there is a kind of like sadness in that because it's the end of a chapter, mm-hmm. but there's also like a new chapter beginning. And I think that's kind of what he's alluding to is there's like, there's the death of something and the rebirth of something new uh. and that this like new house guest is that like new thing that is with within you and like running through your bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess it could it could apply to, like, a death of, of a loved one mm-hmm. or, like, even, like, a breakup or something. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, yeah, that it's something that literally becomes a part of you um, and also is somehow trying to leave your body. Like, it's both mm-hmm. a part of you. This, is, this was kind of an, an, a philosophical tension as well. Like, okay, is it something that's running through your blood? But also, he says, sickness is the means by which an organism frees itself of foreign matter. Fifty three. So you know, yeah, it is also trying to trying to go like, but that something remains within you that causes you to transform. Um, and this is where that beautiful this is the letter where this beautiful quote comes. Do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you, um, you know.
0: Oh, the one we the one we've already said that no, you should read it again. I mean, it's worth. Yeah, do you have it? (laughs) Oh, I've got it. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you lives untroubled among the simple and quiet words that sometimes do you good. His life has much difficulty and sadness remains far behind yours. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find those words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I think that too is also why the best kind of teachers and coaches are the ones who were kind of like zero to hero Mm. rather than the ones who are like child prodigies, Absolutely, Yeah. Like like Mozart would probably be a shitty teacher because like he wouldn't be able to empathize what the student is going through in a struggle. Yeah. Whereas somebody who's like felt that pain before is just like, yeah, I know what you're going through Mm. and like it sucks and like I can, I can relate to that Mm. and that, that can be really helpful. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also it's just, it is, I think, nice to hear as someone who's in the midst of that stuff. And like, you know, grief or sadness can sometimes feel like you literally are drowning. I mean, there's, I think there's a drowning metaphor in here. Um, But also, you know, first of all, he says suppressing this can kill you too. Like you may feel like this pain will kill you. But if you suppress it or you try to distract from it, it may literally eat you out, eat you from the inside and, and you know, y- then you're dead anyway. So basically, you have to feel it. So feel it. But also... um Uh, yeah, I think it's almost like when you're that sad, you almost have to believe that it's for a purpose or you have to believe that, um, there's some reason you're going through something that painful. Um, Mm. but it ends up being literally true for a lot of people. Like, I I mean, I've had mentors too, that described like this point in their life where just everything fell apart as being the moment when they were able to like literally rise from the ashes and, Mm. you know, it it is comforting to hear when you're inside of that that you know of course it's like not everything has to have a purpose like sometimes things just hurt i think that's important yeah. to give yourself too sometimes things have no reason and they're very tragic but also that you know even the most difficult experience can be an, a change agent in your life um
0: yeah well and i think i think he's also it's kind of what he talks about with solitude too and that like solitude can be painful mm. But when we are experiencing that pain, I think in his view is when we're growing. Mm. So like when we're experiencing that sadness, that's why he's just like, don't distract yourself from it. Just like focus on it. Yeah. And like embrace it because that is you. That is like your transformation taking place. Um.
1: It is that spiritual concept too, which was like first introduced to me in The Power of Now, but he didn't come up with that. This idea Mm. of dying before you die, of having Mm. that death, I guess it is also an ego death of of understanding that death is the only reality, that solitude is the only reality. I truly will only be alone with myself. No one really will ever totally know me. But like, it sounds so weird, but like there is a hope that comes out of that of like there is nowhere else you can go from that but okay like that's it and then whatever joy comes to me in my life after that is
0: Mm. a new and beautiful thing um but all change i mean it's like become a cliche but like all change is painful mm -hmm. like growing pains or like you Mm -hmm. know a snake shedding its skin is like yeah there's a certain like yeah we like to think about like transformation kind of in this like always kind of like optimistic positive like oh it'll change your life it'll change uh, your life yeah but like changing your life can be hard yeah. and sad and there's awful. grief and there's guilt and there's all kinds of things involved i mean i i know for me a lot of my like big life changes there's there's different cycles of like this is really exciting it's also really scary and it's also like really sad because i'm kind of mourning this chapter of my life that is now over Mm -hmm. and that chapter can be like like we said like I don't know high school or college or whatever but it can also be like this chapter of my life with this partner Mm -hmm. or this chapter of my life with this family member who is now dead Mm -hmm. like so yeah I think I think he's just adding some nuance to this this process of change and that like I guess on one hand, we can look at it as like uh, change isn't all like rosy. Like there is kind of sadness. But then we can also flip the coin and say sadness isn't all terrible. There's also like transformation and like growth and everything that can come from it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. Um,
1: There's a lot there. That was very rich.
0: Um, well, awesome. I mean, this was, this was really great. And this was such a rich piece. Like we covered a lot. We talked about God. We talked about love. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for doing this. We've kind of been back and forth, like trying to figure out a piece for the last couple months, but I guess Rilke would probably say it was like in its gestation period. Yes. (laughs) That we, uh, yeah, we, needed to land on this.
1: And in fact, we you, you even mentioned like talking about astrology. Listeners, I am I love astrology. <laughs> and I was even freaking out because not only was there all the content about love, and we had spoken about talking about love and from and hooks, but um, it's talking about his age, like the time that he was writing these letters, which ended up being one of the things he's known most for. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the layman who's not a poet, who yeah. hasn't read his poetry, I think this would be the or a lot artists of other disciplines love this work, yeah, you know it's like very uh, it, it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. He wrote this in his Saturn return which is like the time it's when Saturn returns Uh, to the place basically that it was when you were born,
0: which is how, how old for people
1: it. So for me, like it fell like end of 27 into like, it's going to be like a two and a half year period for a lot of people. It's like a two and a half, three year period. Yeah. But like this age is like very prominent. It's the time when a lot of people like get, and and we can talk about this, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe it has to do with the age you're becoming and feeling like you need to change. But a lot of people get married, have kids, get divorced, change careers, Mm.
0: Go back to school. Um, that was me and my yeah Saturn Saturn was it Saturn return Saturn
1: return and it, it, and Saturn's like the 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 father of time. It's like the 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 rule maker and the the boundary keeper. It's kind of like the in millennial speak like the adulting years. A lot of okay. people would call it. Yeah. So it's like when life kind of. There's a grind. It's like, okay, yeah, we are going to have to learn how to become an adult or we're going to have to learn how to do these things. And it's often, if you look at people's lives, it's a period of time, whether or not we relate this to astrology It's the time when a lot of people end up maybe not gathering the fruits, of the mm. seeds they planted but it's the time when they plant the seed and do the work that they become known for later or it becomes some yeah. of the most significant work of their legacy what they leave behind and so mm-hmm. i just think it's fascinating that like as this young man around yeah. this time he was writing these letters not no and also specifically thinking about creative process that he ended up being so known among artists and like the world is like this is like thinking about how you can be a creative. And this is what he was dealing with in his own life, not just in these letters, but trying to figure out how the hell to be a writer and to have peace with himself and to be productive also. Um, so I was just like, well, I guess we're really gonna talk about all the things we thought we weren't gonna <laughs> talk about in this one book.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. It is It is cool to to watch his transformation And how that, like his, you can see how he's going through his own transformation and trying to relay that to a younger version of himself as well. Mm -hmm. There's kind of like two, um, yeah, two journeys going on simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Well, thanks, Jossia. This was Awesome. And we can let your cat back into the room now.
1: Oh, my God. She's so mad. I'm sure I don't even know where she is, but I can feel the rage. give
0: Give her some treats or something. Yes. Thanks for listening to Unpacking Ideas. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend or scroll down and write us a review or give us a rating. All that stuff really helps with the algorithm so that more people can discover the show. So thanks for doing that in advance. If you would like to get in touch with me or to hear about what's coming up next on Unpacking Ideas, definitely visit unpackingideas.com. And finally, if you would like to hear more from my guest, Jossia, and to hear about what she is up to, uh, check her out on Instagram at thejossia. That's T-H-E-J-A-S-I-A. She is a musician and actress and has shows all over the New York City area as well as different songs that are streaming. So definitely check her out on Instagram. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time.